0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Thanksgiving is over and Christmas is a-coming, and the Advent season is upon us. On today's show, I'm going to discuss Advent, what it means, its history, and why you and I should be celebrating it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. As I said in the introduction to the show, I'd like to discuss Advent, the Advent season, what it means, its history very briefly, and why you and I should be celebrating what it represents. In other words, today's show is going to be one focused on the positive, focused on hope, focused on what's coming, Focused on those things that matter rather than those things that distract us and frustrate us. I'm going to focus on faith rather than fear in today's show. I'm going to focus on the Christmas season. I'm going to focus on Christ. So buckle up. That's what we're going to do today. Now before we take our break, let's do a little housekeeping. Remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. I'm very grateful to all of you that have chosen to do that. Please consider doing that, and thank you for your ongoing support. Also, remember, especially during this Christmas season when you're looking for ideas for gifts, that I have my two books Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and the sequel to that, which was published just this last April Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Both of these books confront the cancel culture, they elevate human freedom, ideological freedom, academic freedom, and the importance of acting like an adult in a world that's increasingly losing its mind in a juvenile temper tantrum. So again, go to your online bookstores, wherever you get your reading material, and consider buying several copies of Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and or Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. These would be excellent Christmas gifts for you to consider giving out to your family and friends. It also allows you to push and promote The Rebellion. Tell people why you bought these books and maybe consider uh, encouraging them to go listen to an episode or two of The Rebellion by forwarding those episodes out on your social media. Let's take that break right now and acknowledge our sponsors. And when I get back, we'll talk about Advent and what it represents And we'll celebrate the story of Christ. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So, um, Advent. What does it mean? And why do we celebrate it? Well, if you go and look at the history of Advent, you'll see that it's a derivative of of a Latin word that means coming. So, Advent is a celebration of what's coming. Now, the interesting thing, and you can go all the way back to, oh, approximately the fourth or fifth century, and you see evidence that the Advent season was already being celebrated by the church. But initially, it wasn't just a celebration of the birth of Christ, the anticipation of the coming incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. It was also the anticipation and the celebration of the second coming of Christ, So, Advent wasn't uniquely focused on Christmas. Advent was more comprehensively focused on the reality of Christ coming to us incarnate as the babe in a manger, but also Christ's promise that he will return to judge the quick and the dead in the second coming. So, Advent was a time of taking approximately a month To pray and fast and confess in preparation for the second coming of Christ as well as the celebration of. Him being born incarnate, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. Does that make sense? So Advent has a rich history, and it goes back to the 4th or 5th century, maybe before, but we clearly have evidence that it was being celebrated by the church in France and Spain as early as the 400s. And and it has evolved and taken on a different flavor since then. Interestingly enough, one source that I read said that the current practice of Advent and the Advent candles and the Christmas wreath and whatnot is actually grounded in Protestantism as much as Catholicism or the Orthodox Church because of its roots in Germany and the Lutheran Church. But we can spend a ton of time on that. But I think that's enough just to set the context for today's show. So um, I'm going to title what I'm going to say from here on out something that may catch you off guard a little bit right now. I'm going to title it, Aslan is on the move. Now, why do I say that? Well, you know I'm a C.S. Lewis fan. I've I've referred to Lewis numerous times on this show. Lewis is a gift to our ages. He's a gift to our age. He's a gift to the 20th and the 21st century. Now, obviously, he didn't live in the 21st, but his reading still impacts, his writing, I should say, still impacts our lives because of the reading that we do as Christians of the C.S. Lewis uh, works, but also even non-Christians are led to Christ through C.S. Lewis's writing, through his scholarship, through his own story, his conversion. By the way, sidebar, I went to the movie last week, The Most Unlikely Convert, and everyone needs to see it. It's excellent. It's very well done. It's the story, the autobiography, if you will, of C.S. Lewis and his journey from agnosticism to atheism, back to agnosticism, back to deism, and then finally, as he describes it, becoming the most reluctant convert in all of England, because he did not want to convert to Christianity. That was not his heart's desire. It certainly wasn't what his mind, his intellect desired. But the hound of heaven would not release him. Christ pursued him. God would not let him go. It was through the body of Christ, through J.R.R. Tolkien, and Owen Barfield and others that influenced Lewis and encouraged him and challenged him and actually debated with him and argued with him. It was the body of Christ. It was God's sovereign work through the influence of others that resulted in Lewis finally, finally relenting and bowing at Magdalen College in Oxford, England and submitting himself to the Lordship of Christ and becoming quote-unquote, the most reluctant convert in all of England. You need to watch this movie. Now, back to Aslan being on the move. Well, Aslan, as you know, is the Christ figure in the Chronicles of Narnia. This is C.S. Lewis's portrayal of what Jesus would be like in a different land, a different world in Narnia. And C.S. Lewis paints him as a dynamic, gigantic, courageous, bold, righteous, moral, and good lion, named Aslan. So I wanna I wanna I want to set that context for you as we discuss Advent. So again, we're past Thanksgiving. Advent is here. It's upon us. But if you look at the daily headlines, what does it prove? It proves our world is a broken mess. One that we're apparently helpless to fix. So we've got these holidays that we're celebrating, where we want to experience the joy, the gratefulness, the thankful heart of Thanksgiving, and then we want to enter into the peace and the hope of uh, of, of the Christmas season. And Advent, at least in modern times, is the time frame or it's the calendar that we use to usher in that celebration of Christ, the Babe born in a manger. Emmanuel, God with us, of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But yet, all of these wonderful thoughts and these hopes, these these yearnings of our heart, are juxtaposed to the daily headlines. And again, the daily headlines prove our world's a mess. And we can't apparently do a whole lot to fix it. We sometimes feel helpless, is my point, don't we? I mean, we have conflict between our dreams and our hopes and the reality that we actually face on a daily basis. And this conflict, this conflict causes a peculiar mix of emotions. Gratitude is mixed with grief and anticipation gives way to antipathy. Fortitude, if you will, is compromised by fear. This tension is addressed in In C.S. Lewis's books, The Chronicles of Narnia, and one of my favorite stories within the Narnian series is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you remember, the story is of the Pevensey children. That's the family's last name, a British family. And these kids are staying out in the countryside in their uncle's mansion, a professor's mansion, if you will. And I think it's they're, they've been put out there by their parents to get them away from the bombing that's taking place in London because the story is, is contextualized within World War II. So the Pevensy children are out in this great mansion, and they, they enter into a new land. And how do they do that? They go through a wardrobe, a wardrobe, and they enter into the land of Narnia. And here they're standing, bewildered and confused, in this land that they don't even recognize, because they know it's not their own. And so the children's names are Lucy and Peter and Edmund and Susan. And again, they enter Narnia through this portal of a wardrobe, of a closet, And as they do, they find themselves in this winter winter wonderland of sorts, and it's all white and cold, and the lamppost is glowing somberly in this windless forest that's all blanketed with snow. You You get this image? So even if you haven't read the books, just listen to me here. I'm giving you a synopsis. I'm giving you the cliff notes of the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So at first glance, as the children are standing there, Everything seems beautiful. You know, it's this blanketed winter wonderland. It's quiet. The wind is blowing. The trees are frosted. But something's missing. Something's missing. The land is lifeless, or at least nearly lifeless. And the few creatures that they do stumble across, the few animals that the children do encounter all seem really suspicious and paranoid and fearful and uh, anxious. There's no joy. That's what's missing. And the kids venture on down to the creek as they walk through the snow. And they encounter two talking animals, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And Mr. Beaver tells them, the story of Narnia. He tells them that the land of Narnia is under the spell of an evil witch. Everything is pale. Everything is cold. Every moment is governed by fear rather than hope. Every day that you live in Narnia is is as if it's, and this is Mr. Beaver's quote, every day is as if it's always winter, but never Christmas. This is Mr. Beaver's attempt to describe to the children what the result is of the White Witch's spell, her evil spell upon this land of Narnia. So this is the White Witch's rule. Narnia, basically to sum it up, is simply a land of despair and defeat. But this isn't the end of the story. There's more. In the midst of Mr. Beaver's description of this evil spell the children all of a sudden hear sleigh bells ringing off in the distance they can hear them very faintly and then they can tell that the sleigh is growing nearer and nearer as the sleigh bells get louder and louder well at first they're afraid they're sure that this is the sound of the witch's return because mr beaver was just telling them about this evil witch's rule over the land of narnia so what did the children do they they want to hide but, guess what? This isn't the witch. No, the bells, the sleigh bells are not are not an announcement of the witch. The, the driver of this sleigh is a giant of a man, and he's all dressed in red, and he has a white beard flowing down over the breast of his huge, ample robe. Who is this driver of this sleigh? Well, it's Father Christmas. And what does he say as he approaches the children at the beaver den? He says, I've broken through at last. He shouts it. And then he says this, she has kept me out for a long time, but her magic is weakening. Well, Lucy starts to just get so excited. She's shivering with excitement. Lucy is the is the character of the for children that is the most faithful she's the one that went through the wardrobe first she's the one that invited the other children to follow her afterwards she's the one that has faith where the others are more suspicious lucy is the one that embraces the christ figure first and foremost in the story of narnia so lucy's shivering with excitement he's here he's here father christmas is here and he's not only bringing presents, but he's also bringing peace and joy. And Lucy recognizes this. He's not only bringing hot tea and cream and sugar, to use the English vernacular of the refreshments of of, of Christmas season, of the winter months, of what you want when it's cold and snowy out. He's not Father Christmas. Isn't just bringing hot drink, cocoa, tea, cream, sugar. He's also bringing love and warmth. And compassion. Father Christmas brings music and he's bringing a message. And what's his message? This is a quote Aslan is on the move, Father Christmas cries. A Merry Christmas and long live the true King. Close quote. One more time, because that's the topic of today's show Aslan is on the move. Aslan is coming, the Advent season, the advent of Aslan, the coming of Aslan, a Merry Christmas, long live the true King. Christ is coming. He's coming in the manger and he's coming again. Aslan is on the move. You know, As I think of this children's story, I I, I think of history and how over 2,000 years ago the world was suffering through a cold, dark winter. Uh, Civil unrest was rampant. The power of Western civilization was crumbling. Rome was the power, Rome was Western civilization. Rome wielded a sword. And Israel picked up stones to fight them. Fear was killing freedom. Terrorism was defeating trust. This was 2,000 years ago. Even amidst the calm of the Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire, there seemed to be these clouds of impending doom on the horizon. It wasn't a good place to be. It was a cold, dark winter. But does that all sound familiar? I mean, today... Many of us kind of feel the same way, don't we? I mean, just look at the news feed on your smartphones. Just look at it. I mean, you know what it's like. Every time you look at your news feed, every time you look at your phone or look at your computer or pick up a newspaper or just listen to the news on the radio or elsewhere, you don't feel good, do you? You have this chill in your bones. You shiver as you try to shelter yourself against the freezing winds of CNN and MSNBC and ABC and CBS, even Fox News, you shiver as you hear stories of Kenosha and Waukesha. It seems like it's always winter and never Christmas. Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan, North Korea, always winter, but never Christmas. And Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, always winter, But never Christmas. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, always winter, but never Christmas. BLM, CRT, Antifa, SJW, LGBTQIA, always winter, but never Christmas. The riots and revenge, always winter, but never Christmas. COVID 19, lockdowns, required masking, forced vaccinations. Doesn't it seem like it's always winter, but never Christmas? But here's the deal. In the face of these cold winds, maybe we'd all do well to remember the news of long ago when light shined on the hills of Bethlehem and Father Christmas arrived singing a new song, Don't Be Afraid, He declared in a booming voice for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy. And on that night in Bethlehem, hope and love were born anew and winter began to melt away and Christmas sprang alive in a stable under the stars. I have broken through at last Christ Christmas She has kept me out for a long time, but her magic is weakening. This is a time of love, not hate, of giving, not getting, of goodness, not greed. Remember that light always diminishes darkness, and warmth always melts away what is cold, and the sun, S-O-N, is always stronger than winter. I want to read that to you one more time. This is from the Chronicles of Narnia. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And again, as the result of Father Christmas telling us, don't be afraid, I've broken through at last. She has kept me out for a long time, but her magic is weakening. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Because of that, hope and love are born, and winter will melt away, and Christmas springs alive, not just in a stable under the stars, but today, today, in each of our lives, we can be comforted as the result of Christmas being real in our lives. Aslan is on the move, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he's the light of men, and his light shines in the darkness. He's made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's not from the Chronicles. That's from the Bible. Christ is on the move. Advent is a time of an Anticipation of what's coming. The coming of Christmas, yes, we celebrate that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God. We celebrate, we anticipate the coming of Emmanuel. God is with us. That's literally what Emmanuel means. We celebrate the birth of a Savior. We celebrate the mystery of the triune God, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was made manifest among us, incarnate in the body of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the fact that we can actually know God because he walked among us and he knew us. We celebrate the fact that the apostles were there and they recorded all of this for us and that the church triumphant has handed down this story faithfully through the centuries. We celebrate that. We anticipate that. We replay the story of the advent, the coming of the Christ child. But we also anticipate the second coming of Christ because if we've confessed our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know that Christmas just isn't a time of talking about Jesus being born, but we know that Christmas, the Advent season, is a time of celebrating, that Aslan is on the move, that he is moving in history right now as we speak and that he is coming again, and that he is in control of this mess, and that her, the wicked witch's spell, is weakening. Yes, she has kept him out for a long time, but that magic is weakening, and this is a time, Advent is a time of love, not hate, of giving, not getting, of goodness, not greed, and we need to remember that the light always shines in the darkness. And the sun, S-O-N, is always stronger than winter. Again, again, we can't say it too many times. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he is the light of men and he shines in the darkness. The darkness that you even experience as you look at your news feed and listen to the news or read a newspaper. He shines in the darkness, and he has made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hilaire Baloch says it very well. Do not, I beseech you, be troubled about the increase of forces that are already in dissolution. You have mistaken the hour. Of the night, it's already morning. Do you hear what he's saying? Don't be troubled. Do not, I beseech you, be troubled. By the increase of forces, by the increase of the garbage, the bad news, the evil, uh, the fear, the anxiety, the tension that you experience in a broken and messed up world. Do not, I beseech you, be troubled about the increase of forces. They're already in dissolution. They're already dissolving. They're already diminishing. Why? Because you've mistaken the hour of the night. It's already morning. And the sun, S-O-N, is coming. And the sun is always stronger than winter. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.